you've got this and you can take your own time and figure it out the way I did, which was over a course of trial and error. And there is an easier way. Looking back now, I think if I had found someone like you, Jill, that could have helped me, I could have made strides years ahead. And so, you know, just working through time management, working through issues with the guilt and just different aspects of trying to combine motherhood with being a practicing physician full-time or part-time. I think the one thing I would have done differently is get some coaching. Hi, and welcome to Doc Working the Whole Physician Podcast. I'm Jill Farmer, one of the lead coaches at docworking.com. And I'm really excited today to be joined by the founder of docworking.com, Dr. Jen Barna. And Jen is a physician, the founder of this company, a practicing physician, and also a mother. So in light of Mother's Day, we wanted to dive in to have a really honest and open and hopefully meaningful and helpful conversation for physicians who are mothers about motherhood and being a physician. So Jen, let's dive right in. Tell us a little bit about you as a physician and your journey of motherhood and integrating motherhood into your career as a physician for people who don't know your story. Well, Jill, first, it's great to be here with you today. And thanks for the opportunity to have a conversation about this in time for Mother's Day. So my story really began as a medical student. I was a little bit older as a medical student. I had deferred medical school for a year while my husband finished law school. And I had gone to graduate school when I decided to go to medical school. So I was 26 starting medical school. And I had both of my kids while I was a medical student, which actually is one of the great secrets. I think if you're not, you know, Doogie Hauser, the youngest or, or the female version of the youngest uh, person in your medical school class, but medical school is actually a great time to have kids because one thing you, you don't really understand this necessarily when you're a medical student, because you're trying to absorb so much, you're trying to learn so much, but really everything that you're doing is on you and you're part of a team, but there's no one on the team who can't function without you. So when you have children as a medical student, if you decide to take time off, it might impact your own timeline in terms of when you come back and finish your rotations and when you graduate, but it doesn't affect everyone else. And so it's probably much more common for people to have kids when they're residents or when they're practicing. And when they do that, there's this instant pull, even from pregnancy and early, you know, postpartum of being away from the practice, someone's taking your shifts and it's a balancing act right from the very start. So that was a benefit was having both of my kids in medical school, one at the end of my second year and one during my fourth year, my second. And so I started residency as the only female in my program with a, an infant and a toddler. And we made it through the five-year residency. And I was very conscious as a resident of trying to always make sure that I pulled my weight and that the guys were not really aware on a professional level that there was anything different about me as a resident. But it was tough. And there were some little tricks I figured out along the way, like having my kids nearby so that once they were old enough to be in preschool, I could run over. If anything came up, I could run over there very quickly and get very quickly back to work. And we had some help at home when they were really little, had a, a nanny live with us, which was a, a huge help. 
and got us through the very early stages. We actually had a wonderful daycare as well, but you know how little infants and toddlers can get sick a lot. And that was something that we needed to deal with at the time. So we ended up with someone who helped us out at home. So that worked out well. And then we really ended up figuring out that between my husband and myself, we tried to juggle our schedules so that by the time I was in my last year of residency, he was able to cut back to part-time and he worked in the mornings and picked up the kids at noon every day from preschool. And that took a lot of stress off of me knowing that he was there for them. Yeah. And so some of you are saying, that's great. It's great to be in a partnership where my husband or wife as a woman can not be working full time. And that's in, in a lot of dual income parenting families that can be help and is not available to everybody in both Jen and I know that. So we're not, you know, saying our advice is that you find a spouse that doesn't work full time, you know, and a lot of times I'm, I'm coaching dual physician families. And so that's, yeah. um, you know, a completely different animal there. I do think it's interesting to note, because this comes up with a lot of my clients who are physicians and who are moms or dads, even with young children, but particularly it's a big issue for the mom because they tend to take on more of the duties for planning childcare, for supervising childcare, for being the kind of point person. And a lot of times people are stressed out when they have young kids deciding between daycare and a nanny and the daycare, which might, maybe you're in a hospital system that has one on site, which is great, but then the kids do get sick. And I, a lot of times when I'm coaching people, it's opening their eyes to the fact that hybrid solutions and creative solutions are wonderful (laughs) in this point of your life. And sometimes physicians can be beautifully linear thinkers and just really strong thinkers about like how to solve problems, but in a rather linear way. And so I'm always inviting people when it comes to this, let's get as creative and think about as many hybrid solutions as we can. So sometimes that means having backup nannies, having, you know, daycares with backup nannies. In some cases, it's having an au pair or a nanny that is there for the eight hours of the day. And then another one that's there for an hour and a half, you know, in the morning, because under federal U.S. labor laws, they need to only work for eight hours. And so that's not usually a physician's schedule. So we get creative and say, okay, yep, it's an investment and it's an expense. And It's one that deals with the reality of the actual life situation, as opposed to kind of, I see a lot of my physician clients, especially with young kids struggling because they have this like set up plan for when everything goes normal, but they haven't really thought through the, what happens when somebody gets sick, (laughs) what happens when you get stuck in surgery. And so it's it's creating those hybrid solutions. I think that gives us permission and some space. Yeah, absolutely. I always had the feeling that I was walking on a tightrope. Because it was like, as long as nothing goes wrong, we're in good shape. Everyone needs to stay healthy. You know, nothing unexpected. As long as nothing unexpected happens, then everything's fine. But I used to just be so stressed, worried, you know, that something would come up or if, of course, and kids get sick and then it's always a struggle. So we would go back and forth, like the one year that Jim cut back to part-time, you know, that was a decision that was a financial choice we made that really had consequences, but it was the best decision we could make at the time. And we kind of made decisions like that. we never had family nearby. So we kind of had to figure it out as we went. The kids were pretty adaptable. I remember one conversation when I was a resident one night, I came home, I was on a rotation where you could actually come home for dinner. I was tucking my daughter in, she was four years old and She said, do you have to go back to the hospital tonight? And I said, yes. And she said, why do you have that job? And I said, 
Well, before you were born, I made a commitment and that's like a promise. And now I have to keep my promise. And she said, did you not think that you were going to have kids? Out of the mouths of babes. like, you know, it really just like pierced my heart. I just thought the interesting insightfulness of the question, the reality was, although I knew I was going to have kids, I didn't know I was going to want to be with my kids as much as I did. I thought prior to that, that it would be fine to have other people, you know, have a major part of helping take care of my kids. And in reality, as soon as they were born, I really wanted to be with them more than more than anything else. But that wasn't the way that, you know, that we decided to proceed, despite the fact that that was the way I felt. So we made the best of it. And I think our kids actually turned out to be really thoughtful, compassionate, and hardworking adults. And they probably benefited all in all from, from having a working mom as an example. So it all works out, whatever you decide. Yeah. I think you bring up something powerful here, which is the mommy guilt, right? And so what were you able to do to support yourself so that the mommy guilt didn't take over and cause you to experience pain, either work or at home, or did it? Give us a little bit in that, because that's something that comes up all the time that I hear from working physician parents. Yeah, it really did. It was a struggle for me all the way through, but I did do little things that helped to accommodate it. So even when they were older, even when I finished residency and I was in a solo practice, if something came up that was critically important, I would leave and go take care of it. And the hospital just understood that. We had a backup system in terms of ER physicians being able to read. And I had a workstation at home. Their, their school was near my home, which meant that I worked 24-7 some of the time. But basically, I just did my best to be omnipresent to the greatest capability that I could. And my kids understood that. They knew that I was doing my best. And there was a time, I remember when my son was in about fourth grade, he came home with this fabulous art project. And I had said, wow, this is, this is so beautiful. When did you make this? And I asked him about it. He said, oh, Jimmy's mom helped me make it. And I said, oh, there were moms there? And he said, yeah, but it's okay, mom, you had to work. And while that kind of broke my heart in a way. I also understood at that moment that he understands that. Like he was trying to not put me through that pain of having to figure out how to try to be there. And I really thought that was a thoughtful gesture on his part as a little kid. And the kids are very independent. You know, they've learned how to do a lot of things on their own and they're independent adults, which I think again is a benefit for them. So they're resilient. They are. And I think you said something beautiful, like we can feel that guilt, right? And I wasn't a physician, but I was a working mom too. So I can totally identify with that part of it. It's okay to feel the guilt. When the guilt drives the bus, it often takes us out of line with our values. And so when we can feel it, process it, and then say, okay, what's the deeper held value here? It's that my son knows he's important to me, whether I'm in his class, you know, helping with one individual art project in fourth grade or not. And that he recognizes that there's his needs and I'm doing my best to support that. And then there's the world's needs of, of this other job and that him having a, a balanced understanding of that is okay too. And that's just a thing that I'm talking a lot of times with clients about is those emotions, those triggers, those feelings of guilt can be primal, right? We're supposed to be mama bears taking care of our children and 
they're not always, if we act from them, sometimes they cause us to suffer unnecessarily when we can kind of step back, process them and get a bigger picture. And I I think that story is a really good example of that. Is there anything that you would do differently looking back now that your kids are, you know, one graduated from college and out successfully working in the world and another with another year of college left? Is there anything now looking back that you're like, oh, I wish I would tell young physicians I would have done that differently? I think all in all, given that, you know, now we made it through the times when I felt like we were walking a tightrope. And one thing I did do, similar to this article that you and I were looking at, Jill from the American Academy of Medical Colleges from October of 2019, there was an article about the percentage of women who leave the medical workforce physicians who leave the medical workforce within the first few years of practice, around 40%, I believe. Either leave um, or drastically change, back step back. Time. Yeah. Yeah. And that was the thing I think that really, like I mentioned, my husband working part-time, we ended up kind of juggling that. We kind of went back and forth over the course of our careers. And we made a decision early on that we were going to make that compromise. We both made a compromise in our careers by doing that. But because of that, we tried to make sure one of us had a more flexible job at any given time. So sometimes I was part-time and sometimes he was part-time and we kind of just, you know, yo-yoed back and forth uh, between us every couple of years. And we were fortunate to be able to find groups that accommodated that, that really worked with us on that. And I think that's one wonderful thing about medicine that was pointed out by one of our earlier guests in this podcast, the episodes that we interviewed, Miriam Michael, who's a mother of four, she mentioned that medicine is so flexible as a career in a lot of ways. And sometimes I think we can get hung up on the mother guilt part and it's substantial, at least it was for me. And on the other hand, there is a lot of flexibility. And if you, if you ask for it, and especially if you do your part to really try to build trust with your job, with your group, so that when you do ask for it, you have that rapport. I've had a wonderful experience with that. And there's a lot of potential flexibility. The issue that you and I were talking about, which I think is the greater issue, is where the system is going as a whole to be able to accommodate parents, both women and men, who want to be able to have that flexibility or need to be able to have that flexibility And rather than having the system set up so that someone else has to suffer for it, if someone needs flexibility to set the system up so that there is a backup and there is room in the system for some movement among physicians. Yeah. So we talked about, you know, just kind of based on your experience and my experience coaching people, some ideas of ways that we can you know, flexibility seems to be king in our thinking, letting yourself understand that some of the times are more challenging than others, processing those to move through, making the best decision based on your own values for your own family. I think those are all themes that you guys hopefully that are listening can pull away as threads. And then I think we do have to address kind of the elephant in the room in that the institution of medicine in general has not always been uh, either, (laughs) I mean, I know this is the understatement of the century, uh, female friendly and or accommodating to mothers. And I'm heartened to read in like the article from 2019 in AAMC, there was a New York Times article from a couple of years ago, highlighting institutions like University of Michigan, hospitals like MGH and Boston that are saying, listen, we can't just keep saying, oh, we want more women and we've got to actually make parental accommodations that make sense, like paid leave for women physicians 
or for any parent physician. And that's, I think, a big change that we're seeing in institutions that when men are taking the eight weeks of paid parental leave as well, it's normalizing it. Because in my experience, people would say, well, the hospital says we can have eight weeks off or even gives us eight weeks paid, but hardly anybody takes it. So the culture was different Mm -hmm. than the actual policy. And I think we're seeing changes where culture is matching that. The other thing that has been behind in medicine that I know you and I have talked about is the idea that when the the way that it's set up, somebody's always got to cover for somebody else. (laughs) And so when somebody takes parental leave, that means it's pressurizing somebody else. And I think medicine is beginning to look at other sectors, particularly female-led and female-driven sectors that have said, we can't treat this as a zero-sum game. Either we're fully staffed and nobody has babies, or when somebody has babies, we're really way understaffed and life is terrible. (laughs) We need to staff for the reality that parents are going to need to take parental leave when they're in childbearing years, (laughs) and that we need to staff to provide that just as the Europeans do it much better than we do. And in women-led sectors, and we're seeing more of that being built, sort of baked into the system. And I'd love to see that happen in medicine as well. Yeah, absolutely. You're right. It's not just the parental guilt. It's also work guilt because every time you have to make that choice to accommodate your family, you're then potentially taking someone off a vacation or someone is suffering for that. Someone's working a longer day if you have to leave early. And so having a system that actually is set up to accommodate that so it doesn't punish other people is critical to ever having a real solution. Yep. And it also just makes space for more of life's happenings. Like if somebody happens to get sick, even if they're not a parent or any other thing that that can be, or they need to take family leave for the care of somebody else, it just provides more uh, real life space for what's really happening that isn't so pressurizing that uh, can contribute to burnout or to that high percentage of people who end up making a shift or leaving, which everybody agrees, we want to shift. We want to keep more physicians who are passionate about doing work that matters in the world, being able to do this in a sustainable way. Is there anything else that you'd like to say to the moms out there who are physicians who are listening to us today? Happy Mother's Day. The takeaway for me is that you can figure this out and you've got this and you can take your own time and figure it out the way I did, which was over a course of trial and error. And there is an easier way. Looking back now, I think if I had found someone like you, Jill, that could have helped me, I could have made strides years ahead. And so, you know, just working through time management, working through issues with the guilt and just different aspects of trying to combine motherhood with being a practicing physician full-time or part-time. I think the one thing I would have done differently is get some coaching actually. And that's why I started doc working because I think there is so much benefit to be learned by working with professional coaches who know the physician space and know what it is to help physicians through some of these issues that so many of us face. So thank you, Jill, very, very much for being here with me and for helping the physicians that come to us through doc working. Oh, I love it. And I had a great experience recently with a a mom physician. And all I was doing was coaching her to really have some courageous conversations with leadership. And turns out leadership was open to it. She had never seen through training or anything else, the opportunity to kind of, her model was, I'm always going to be the best student. I'm always going to be very compliant. I'm always going to do what I'm supposed to do. 
And so to have this courageous conversation that was around work-life integration, there's really no such thing as work-life balance, right? (laughs) And so work-life integration, it really freed her up and re-energized her both for her work and felt like she wasn't walking that tightrope you talked about earlier. So it isn't always rocket science. It's just having a trusted thinking partner or somebody else outside of our own. We're so ensconced in our own issues. It's often helpful to have somebody else give us a fresh perspective and some fresh ideas. And the other thing that I'm sure was my objection all along was that I thought I didn't have time for such a thing. And the truth is, in retrospect, I could have saved myself so much time. So, you know, even just the tips that I learned from listening to the podcast are saving me time. Now I'm literally learning things on a day-to-day basis, listening to you guys. So I'm continuing to learn. It never ends, of course, but I think the professional coaching can be transformational. And I appreciate the opportunity to be a part of this. We see you, mom, as Jen and I have known each other for a really long time since we were very young moms. And now we have kids who are either already flown the coop or are getting ready to. And so we see you. We know it's tough in those challenging years. And uh, we know it's worth it. Every minute of it, the hard stuff at work and the hard stuff at home. It all comes together beautifully when you see your kids get independent or be able to reflect back your values. And it's a beautiful experience. Well, happy Mother's Day to all of you out there who are mothers as well. And may it be a delightful celebration for you this year. We want to remind you that if you do want coaching support right now, all you have to do is go to docworking.com and you can check out our coaching opportunities for you to get a certified coach who is experienced in working with physicians. Also, if you're not on our newsletter yet, you got to get over to docworking.com today and sign up. That's how you find out about all kinds of offers and resources that we have available to you. So until next time, thanks so much for being with us here on Doc Working, the Whole Physician Podcast. Hello, and thank you for listening. This is Amanda Taran. I'm the producer of the Doc Working Podcast. If you enjoyed our podcast, please like and subscribe. We would also love it if you checked out our website, which is docworking.com. And you can also find us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and on Instagram. On Instagram, we are docworking1, and that is with the number 1. When you check us out on social, please let us know what you would like to hear on the podcast. Your feedback really means a lot to us. And if you're a physician with a story you'd like to tell, please reach out to me at amanda at docworking.com to apply to be on the podcast. Thank you again, and we look forward to talking with you on the next episode of Doc Working, the Whole Physician Podcast.